see. Oh, wish I could be part of that world. Is this big sire? Is this? This Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this planet. <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear? Bing is a sus individual. And oh, that blowfish blow. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness. Um, Kyle, uh, we're, we, we talked a little bit about the goat last week, Yep. um, talking best Alan Menken song. Uh, and you know, there's, there's really no time of year that Alan Menken music is not appropriate. No, he is a man of every season, but especially towards the end. I mean, we talked about how much Menken loves to use that little twinkle and that little twinkle really gets me into the mood for the holiday season that, that we're entering into. So it feels fitting that we are talking about Alan Menken songs. And it, this was, that was one of the more contentious uh, episodes that we've had in a long time. Uh, just the fact that we are choosing opposite picks for a lot of the bracket. Uh, it just goes to show that there's a lot of depth to Menken. There's a lot of opinions and stories that you can take from his music uh, and without lyrics. And everyone can kind of form their own story and opinion off of it. He's just so great. He can appeal, but also speak to you in different ways. Really fun. Uh, and we we brought the musical master herself back for part two. It is Mandy. Mandy, welcome back. And uh, we're excited to have you for this part two of Best Alan Menken Bracket. Hey, I am so excited to be back uh, after part one. I think that part two is going to be even spicier. So uh, looking forward to getting in it. So before we even dive in, I got to hear this Pocahontas story. You hinted at your love for Pocahontas last episode. You wanted to be her. Oh, dude. Well, my mom was the one that bought like a whole crate full of Disney on VHS. And that's just what we would do. We would just watch Disney VHS tapes. And uh, Pocahontas was my number one. Um, I would also play pretend Pocahontas in the 90s. That's mm. why I was also a Tom Sawyer Island kid. I would go over <laughs> and play Pocahontas on Tom Sawyer Island. Um, maybe, you know, not a PC thing to do now looking back at it. But I would love to pretend like I was Pocahontas with the wind in my hair, running yeah. around in the free nature, saving the people. Uh, that that was that was my number one princess uh, for a long time. So yeah, huge huge Pocahontas girl growing up. Yeah, I, well, I think I think Pocahontas is a is a relatable character to, yeah. to all races. So uh, assuming you you weren't you know doing something uh, racially insensitive, I, think, <laughs> I don't think there's anything uh, wrong with embracing nature. 
Yeah, the the me saying I wanted to be Pocahontas when I grew up was a little bit like my mom had to let me know, like, I'm sorry, sweetie, you can't do that. <laughs> um, but I forgot that the big weird thing I would do is we had an oak tree in my backyard and I would talk to it like it was Grandmother Willow. Recently found out that Tess did the same damn thing when she was little. Uh, so we were truly meant to uh, connect and, and be best friends in our, in our real life. Because I we were remember... Both I remember vividly that after seeing Pocahontas as a kid, uh, there was like this little play, like this plot of grass that was in the middle of our cul-de-sac that all of the neighborhood kids used to play on. And there were these, um, I wish I knew what kind of trees they were, but there were these trees on them. And I remember after watching Pocahontas, looking at these trees, like, damn, this thing can hear everything I'm saying right now because that is is alive and can talk to me. I I didn't talk to it, so I didn't take the next step that you and Tess did, but I definitely thought it could hear me for sure. Uh, I I don't like this. This is, it reminds me too much of of the dream I had where my brother turned into a rock. (laughs) He was was talking to me as a rock. So we won't, we won't really got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. Okay. Let's let's talk talk spoonfuls of sugar. Uh, Kyle, what are you drinking today? Yeah, I've got a KSA Fort Point beer. Uh, It's a light and crisp Kolsch. This was a leftover um, from many weekends ago. Uh, and it's it's always refreshing. I love having it. It gets a little toasty here in this guest bedroom of mine at the apartment. So to have something light and crisp as I'm talking about these Mencken songs is always a great pairing. Uh, I do miss the wine that I had last time, though. I really enjoyed talking music and Mencken with my wine in my hand. I felt like I was sophisticated uh, music theorist for a moment there. But here I am with the beer, ready to just shout out some takes. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Um, as as many of you know, as longtime listeners of the podcast probably know, uh, I work in baseball, and uh, it is officially, officially, officially the off season. Uh, the World Series is now over. Um, congratulations to hopefully the Philadelphia Phillies <laughs> um, on on winning the World Series. But um, this is really the time of year where I have to really take care of my health. Um, and something I've learned in the last few weeks is that a consistent sleep schedule is, is very important. Um, so myself. I've been, I've been setting my, um, bedtime reminder for 1030, um, every night. Uh, and, and that's coming up soon. So, uh, so I went ahead <laughs> and, um, I took, uh, I popped my little, uh, nighttime CBD supplement and Ooh. I, um, am drinking some, some water so that I can stay hydrated through the night. Um, and hope to kind of, um, stay relatively calm. Um, if I can, if I can, you know, hopefully these matchups won't aggravate me too much, but <laughs> I'm hope, hoping to sleep soundly tonight. Um, Mandy, what, what do you got over there? Well, uh, I am on the wine train this week. Uh, Woo! I got this bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon from Trader Joe's called Juggernaut, huh? um, which I thought was appropriate because Mankin is a bit of a juggernaut himself. But I feel like I need to read the at least the first and the last sentence of this wine description um, in the voice of Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. Uh, so, because this is what I immediately thought when I picked this up. I was like, you know, wine with a great description, you got to try it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, let me see if I can do this. Juggernaut grapes are grown in challenging conditions where true grit and determination yield spectacular results. 
overcoming hardship builds character. And I just feel like, <laughs> no, when you read that on the back of a wine bottle, you got to at least give it a try. Uh, so. and, and Randy, thanks for stopping by, Randy. Yeah. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Anytime, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another celeb on the pod. Hey, Randy, everybody. Randy, <laughs> Randy, Randy. But how is the wine, though? Is it uh, has really? it overcome hardships? Maybe not like as as many hardships as maybe Mencken has, oh, um, yeah, but it's a nice little tasty taste. So yeah, amazing. All right, well, let's discuss a little bit of how we got to where we are today. Um, we surveyed a demographic for this bracket, and it was people getting bodied by Sid at Oogie Boogie Bash. Uh, Mandy was one of them. She was on the safer side. He wasn't too mean to her, but he was mean to some people at Oogie Boogie Bash. So interns interviewed them, asked for their favorite Alan Menken songs. We got 16 of them. A couple missed the dance for all of us. And uh, we made it to the Elite Eight after a lot of tiebreakers in that part one. Uh, the Elite Eight looks like this. It's the number one, Beauty and the Beast versus the number nine out there. Uh, Beauty and the Beast from the Beauty and Beast and out there from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Down the brackets, number 13, Belle from Beauty and the Beast versus number 12, Zero to Hero from Hercules. Number two, A Whole New World from Aladdin versus number seven, Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. Number three, Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid versus number six, Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas rounds out that Elite Eight. Uh, Chris, you started out last time. I think I'll dive in here first with that first Elite Eight matchup. Beauty and the Beast first out there i i talked about my quip with out there uh, which is that the out there portion of out there because the song is really kind of two combined into one uh feels a little generic feels like a, a very generic i want song uh, kind of one of those royalty free broadway i want songs mm. uh in in that it just has a lot of Big build, big expected build moments. And I think that's important from these I Want songs. And and I think that is what Mencken does. But what he also does really well from these I Want songs is, is build it up and bring it back down. He does that in Part of Your World. He does that in Bell. He brings it up, brings it back down so that we can really hear what the want is. Not always triumphant, not always screaming at the, screaming from the rooftop. Sometimes it's really just, thinking within and, and looking within and his music reflects that uh, but not so much without there I don't think um, it is I think reflective of like quasi truly wanting to feel free the beginning of the song is this really dark ominous sounding track in which Frollo is telling quasi like you gotta stay here man you have to I'm protecting you gotta stay here and quasi's like yeah I know I'm ugly. I got to stay here. Uh, and and then once Frollo leaves, Quasi's like, but I don't want to stay here. What I want, I want to be free. I want to be myself. I want to be loud. I want to be, be like all the other people. And so I think that even though it may not fit the Mencken mold of give them this triumphant I want, but allow, allow them to also kind of think about it within the middle of the I want, uh, it is true to Quasi form that he is going to just go Falls to the wall with his I want. He's he's been trapped. He's letting it all out. It's frustration. It's dreaming. It's excitement for what could be. Uh, he's just showing that pure emotion. So in that aspect of this, what I feel like is a bit of a generic I want musically, 
Uh, it makes sense for who Quasi is. I like the use of of the the bells anytime in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Anytime that he's going to incorporate bells that sound similar to the the cathedral bells, it's just him grounding you once again, him bringing you back to the setting, and you get that out of out there. And of course, like the big finale of that song is what really sticks with me. It's one of those kind of like chill moments, uh, maybe because it's, you know, it's not only just him holding that note, but you still get the in the under it as well until you get the big closing drum smacking moment at the very end. Uh, it is a great build up towards that key change. It is a great key change. It is a great um note that's being held uh, and uh, held by the the orchestra not so much his voice tom holes's voice kind of bugs me at the end of that uh, where he's really warbling warbling yeah. on us sure and and his, his adam's apples going insane insane up against beating the beast talked a lot about how why i like this and why i like th- how well it fits the moment i think that in a lot of the build-up in this film uh you have chaos. You have a, a chaotic, busy town that Bell is coming from. You have a chaotic uh, man in Gaston who is just oblivious to the world. He lacks self-awareness and, and he loves attention. So his song is also really busy. You have Be Our Guest, which is just this massive, massive song. You slow it down with something there, which is the song that Chris really, really enjoys. And that all comes to this here. Be, uh, Beauty and the Beast, where it's finally slowing down and really allowing you to, to think about that moment, to think about love, to think about uh, a future, to think about how the world, when you're with that special person, can slow down. And the, the way that he has chosen to really make you want to sway sway and relax like you want to be calm chris throw on that take one of those little mm-hmm. cbd night night times go ahead and pop on a little little instrumental beauty and the beast and let grandma tuck you in because that's what this song feels like to me uh, especially as the instrumental and then if you just add uh, angela lansbury over it it feels like grandma's telling me a little bedtime story She's she's telling me about these two people that fell in love. We didn't think it was going to happen, and it did. Now, good night. A little twinkle at the end. <laughs> a little Megan twinkle at the end. Uh, I just really, really enjoy the the composition of this. Uh, I love the strings doing, or I don't know if it's strings. I don't know if it's it's a wood instrument that does the actual like do 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 at the very beginning. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely the strings doing something. I think that's a violin. Uh, I think we're going to the decathlon. Host I was here. thinking more woodwinds. Hmm. Okay, um, could be. Could sure. be a flute. Yeah, maybe? could be. Like could that. be. Uh, sure. Obviously, not listening to it currently, so I can go. Let me go to the film on replay here. But uh, yeah, I just really like that theme in general. It's a really iconic one. Uh, and Mencken is is good at these kind of love songs. Um, so you have this I want versus this love. Uh, I think that, oh man, I'm going to go with Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Chris, you can, you can continue to down it if you'd like. Um, but I just feel like there is, it puts me someplace musically that 
I don't forget when I leave that song. Uh, while out there puts me someplace musically in the moment, but uh, I kind of move on from it afterwards. So I'm gonna go with the number one seed. I'm actually uh, I'm actually with you. Oh, interesting, on one, Kyle. Yeah, I I really like out there, and I feel like every chance I get to to really defend it, I never can can really like um articulate the- <laughs> yeah like a like a good enough argument to be like no this is why I like this song so much um and so I don't think I can really do that here um I think something I mentioned last week is that this beauty the instrumentation in Beauty and the Beast just feels the most classy it's literally like the the most classical of classical orchestras um you can think of in the background there. And, and it makes the song feel very top shelf. Uh, mm. and, and, and really should be because this, the setting is this elegant ballroom and, and bell has this brand new, very elegant, beautiful gown on. And I mean, even the beasts little tail coats twinkling <laughs> tonight. Uh, and so that's it, it, you know, it, it makes sense. It, it sounds great. Um, in, in the middle of a great moment. Um, I think, you know, I am cold on this song, but it's not because of the Mencken composition that is that is underneath it. I think if there is something that I can take away from this song that is really, really good, it is it is that music underneath. Um, you know, so I'm not I'm not biased. Like, you know, I can <laughs> I can totally be logical about okay. these arguments sometimes. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I think I'm gonna agree with you and, and move Beauty and the Beast on to the next round. Uh, I mean, these, these beauty and the beast numbers, there's three of them and all three of them are still alive and it'll be interesting to see how far they all get. Uh, Mandy, I'm sorry. We sent your top 10 song out there (laughs) home. Uh, what is your reaction? I mean, it's all good. I completely understand when you're going up against like an all time great, like beating the beast. Um, you know, personally, I just love out there because I think we talk about Mencken using all these musical motifs, right? Where it's like repeated yeah. themes you come back to over and over again. And I think Hunchback is where he just went so hard on that. Mm. And the thing I love about this song is the contrast between the Frollo part um, and the Quasi song where, you know, it's minor, major key. There's even like instruments that punctuate certain um, phrases where you know, you hear the cymbal crash for the first time when Frollo's like, you do not comprehend, and it's like angry. But then it comes back when Quasi goes out there, and uh-huh. it's like for the first time, it's so freaking satisfying. And like, oh, I could just like, there's the bells too that, you know, yeah. come in where yeah. it says, do as I say on mm-hmm. the Frollo part. And they come back when with the ending, with the build of like, yeah, we're getting out there. Um, and I just also love Tom Hulse's you know, musical performance in this. I could talk for days about, you know, how he, he starts off soft and then just fucking goes for it. Let's and I love it. it. Um, it. But, Starts you know, it, it's all good. Beating yeah. the Beast is uh, it's moving on. And uh, RIP to Out There. Uh, it will still probably be in my Spotify top 10 this year. So I'll see it again. Sure. So. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. Um, and that that do, 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 do was it's a woodwind at the very beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, but then after it does its little little part, the strings come in and echo it. 
So we were both right. We're, Dude, we're both I'm there. so happy about my academic decathlon getting woodwind correct. I feel like middle school me would be proud of who I am now. Hey, so. yeah, we really, uh, we really picked those guest hosts correctly because <laughs> we, uh, we needed somebody to let us know about this stuff for sure. All right, on to the next round of eight matchup. It is the number thirteen seed Bell versus the number twelve seed Zero to Hero. A pair of upsets in the round of 16 have uh, moved on here. And we've got another song from Beauty and the Beast, the opener versus uh, Zero to Hero, a little little montage action. Uh, <laughs> oh, the montage has arrived. Um, no, I kind of sang the praises of Belle uh, in the last round. This is a, this is an introduction song. And, and I mean, something like this, uh, I'm sure is just, just very difficult to pull off where... You have to put together a an upbeat song that hooks your audience in, um, and you also have to get through all of this information, um, and you have to familiarize the audience with all of the characters that uh, they're going to see on screen for for the next ninety minutes to two hours. So, uh, and and Bell just does that so flawlessly. Yeah. Um, I know we're not really here to talk about lyrics and, and to talk about dialogue, um, but it is really interesting how so many of the other songs on this bracket that have dialogue woven into them, the dialogue is removed uh, from the soundtrack, whereas in Bell, it's all left in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, again, that is something that sort of feeds into this idea that the day in this provincial town has already been written um, right. and they're just living it as they do every single day. Um, I think, I think one thing that I really like about the beauty and the beast live action is that in uh, their rendition of bell, there is that moment when Gaston is pushing through the crowd uh, and it goes into that finale. Uh, nothing like the rest of us. He's nothing like the mm-hmm. rest of us. And then, and this, the crowd is kind of like moving in this circular fashion and they all stop yeah. uh, at once. Uh, and then they like continue at the same time. And so I think visually that sticks in my head a lot uh, when I think about uh, this song, because even though it is a piece of music, I think move physical movement uh, is is kind of linked to it inextricably, uh, yeah. which which like I really like it. It's really kind of a stimulating piece to listen to. Zero to hero, yeah. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to add uh, to our conversation around this song. I mean, Kyle, you mentioned the gospel element just feeling so unique um, and. Uh, like against the rest of Mencken's works against the rest of Disney. Uh, and also in the context of Greek myth, which is just kind of stale, uh, old traditional kind of storytelling medium. Um, and then you bring in gospel to, to just add this, this whole element of life into the story. It's just so cool. And I think zero to hero does that best, uh, within the context of the movie. I, I hear what you're saying about, um, uh, star is born, you know, it's obviously a credit song, but you know, zero to hero is really kind of in the thick of Hercules. Uh, and then like, you know, you just juxtapose it with go to the distance where it is kind of boring and it's got those really expected like horns and drums <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, it's very triumphant for a hero's tale. Like, yeah, of course. 
Um, but you know, yeah, the gospel influence is just so, so good. And, you know, I, I kind of was, was writing down the highlights, uh, for all of these Menken songs, uh, just my favorite moments. And I don't, I don't really have one for zero to hero. And, and I don't think that's really a knock on the song. It's just so short. So I think the whole thing is a highlight. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just really kind of doesn't stop. Yeah. It's, it's just cover to cover end to end, uh, a joy ride nonstop. Uh, so this is actually a really hard matchup for me, but I think what, what the tiebreaker is going to be for me is that musical theater element, um, which is something that bell, uh, definitely has more of over zero to hero. So I think I'm going to advance bell into the final four. Yeah. The, there's a, a part of zero to hero that's not on the track. Uh, it actually happens within the film itself. So Herc just defeated the Hydra and he's being carried off and Megra's like, wow, he did it. Look at, look at that hero. And the back score is the go the distance theme. It's like, bam, 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 bam. And then the piano slides in and it goes straight into zero to hero. Mm. And it's just it just tickles your brain. Highly <laughs> recommend just like going back and watching the the full clip so that you can hear that transition into zero to hero. It is like the perfect like cutscene where it's like, okay, Herc just defeated his first big monster. Let's tell you what happens in between now and then. And like, and they're gonna t- tell you in this gospel way. We're reading a chapter of Herc's Bible being delivered to us by these gospel singers. It's so smart. It's just so well done. Uh, and and I love this song. I mean, Mandy was right when she said that there's not many songs on the Herc soundtrack that misses. And this is one that you could really mess up. Like the montage song could be really goofy, could be really silly, but Mankin really kept it true to form uh, musically. And then I'm sure lyrically as he's attempting to help uh, with the writing of it. Uh, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Bell. And I'm going to agree with you because I think like now we're getting into Mencken. And and Mencken is, I don't see him as the montage guy. I don't see him as the middle guy. I don't see him as, uh, let me tell you the story of what happens in the middle of the film so that we don't have to animate it. He's the intro guy. He's the, let me catch you up to speed from the beginning here. Let me tell you what you've missed uh, before you entered the film. Uh, it just is way more true to form. It's that theater aspect of it that is truer to his form. Being able to shift to gospel and be able to shift into different musical genres, it makes a very great composer. And it shows that he understands the importance of film and setting. And he does that across the board. And that's just him doing it with the gospel setting. Uh, but when it comes to like true to form Mankin, uh, I think you have to go with Bell in this matchup, even though I think that across the board, I'm going to enjoy Zero to Hero listening to it over Bell every single day. But it's truer Mankin at Bell. I got to go with that pick. Mandy, uh, Any? what do you think about that? I, I put the muses down. Yeah, you know, no hard feelings. I, I kind of agree with what you said. I think Zero the Hero is like a slap. Like I I love it's one of my favorite like Disney songs just to listen to for fun. Um, but agreed that kind of Belle feels more Mankin. Um, but one fun fact I did want to call out about Zero the Hero that I found that just baffled me was that they initially approached the Spice Girls to be the muses. Oh, thank and God. You thank imagine God. 
what a different movie and what a different song that would be um i find that so nuts uh so thank god they did not go with that choice and that leaned in on the gospel part because bless <laughs> i th- i feel like them choosing to if they had chosen to do spice girls is going to be kind of similarly regarded as them choosing to let the rock rap in Moana. You know, like it's just like it's not going to last the test of time like it did maybe in the moment. And Spice Girls were a moment and I don't think that they would have lasted the test of time, but you have the muses instead and that was the right choice. Uh yeah, I'm very glad they didn't do Spice Girls. <laughs> that would have been a mess. All right, let's talk about this next Elite 8 matchup. It's the Number two, A Whole New World from Aladdin versus number seven, PR Cast. We got the love song. We've got the big show-stopping Broadway number in the middle of our Beauty and the Beast film. This is going to be a good one. So I talked about uh, a lot of A Whole New World and the use of the orchestra to really make you feel like you are flying through this sky. Uh, not only flying through the sky, but you're flying through your feelings. You're flying through love. You're falling into love. You're falling out of love you're falling up into love it is just such a a well done piece of music to fit the context of the film Uh, but it also if you listen to the song with the lyrics outside of watching the film it also feels like it really really matches anytime they talk about going up that music gonna go ahead and swell on up (laughs) anytime they they talk about tumbling or they talk about falling you know you're going to feel like that music has fallen down a little bit with a lot of twirls, a lot of uh, tumbles down. So I think that uh, he does a really good job of making you feel the song as opposed to just hearing it. Uh, the chimes, it's that's the twinkle, man. It feels like uh, many times during A Whole New World, uh, he's throwing in that one person at the back of the symphony that is just doing one of those little little chime drags and it's like and to me in this song it truly does feel like you're touching the stars it always happens after a moment in which they're talking about soaring or flying and there's a little chime to it it's just so funny how often he leans into that and i wonder like to him is that because like disney's foundation on this kind of feeling of magic and to him magic is this chime effect and it's similar to kind of like early Disney animation, whenever something would like sparkle, you would always get that little like that little bell sound mm-hmm. attached to it. Like, I wonder if that this is just his like indication that magic is happening. I don't know. It's just interesting because he leans on that thing. Those yeah. chimes are worn out. <laughs> Chime budget is through the roof. Uh, so I really like it. Uh, I understand the hype. I'm not in the hype. For a whole new world. I understand why people really love it. I understand why it's played a lot. I understand why in the parks, Disney leans on it. In their marketing materials, Disney leans on it. Um, but I just think that there's there's a lot more magical and love songs out there at this point. Hmm. Uh, we're way past Aladdin like that they could really take a hold of. Uh, but we get this one. And the orchestra does a lot for it. Um, I like after the a whole new world, you get the dun, 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 dun to kind of accent it. 
that is an ear tickle. I love, I love that part. I love listening for that part. Uh, I think that it's really well done because you could just go with the lyrics and kind of give another little piece of music to it, but to kind of accent it or almost like let them soar up and then bring them back down with your your response as the orchestra. It's just so smart. It's so good. Uh, I really like the music in A Whole New World. Uh, up against Be Our Guest. Yeah, this is... I like what you said, Chris, and it it's kind of what I was thinking, but maybe wasn't able to articulate, is that the room feels full in Be Our Guest. It feels busy. It feels full, but it doesn't feel like a mess. Now, that's exactly kind of what they're trying to give off is that there's so much life in this building. There's so much life in this home, but we we are living together in harmony. Like we want you to come here and live with us and look at look at how great it is. We're not messing anything up. We're not uh and we're not chaotic. We're not like the beast in any way. Uh you stay with us. You're you're with this. And it's a show. It's we're we're really here for each other. Uh we're somewhat diverse. I love that when Lumiere has his little aside in the middle of the song. Uh, they're like, all right, well, let's let's turn the French up to about twenty. Here. <laughs> we gotta turn that French up to twenty. Uh, bring in a little like accordion, <laughs> allow him to have his little sentimental moment. It's just it's really funny. Uh, I like that a lot. I and you brought up the live action Beauty and the Beast. I love the performances of the songs in that live action <laughs> like a lot, and I really enjoyed the Beauty and the Beast. Or sorry, the um, be our guest portion of that i remember seeing it in theaters and being like sensory overloaded (laughs) (laughs) because like on the big screen and everything was happening and they were i think they were attempt at the very tail end of really pushing 3d on people during that time and i didn't see it in 3d but there were so many effects within it that were like that was for the 3d people that was for the 3d people a lot of confetti popping at the screen um and and that was even that's even a great representation of what the song does. Now let's take it musically, right? Uh, you have what feels like an organized piece of music, like it is a performance. It is calculated and thought out. You have the big can can at the end, which really feels like everything is in harmony, like everyone is acting as one as this house is. Uh, I it just it, he he knows what that moment needs. We need Lumiere to convince Belle to stay here. I got you. Don't worry about it. Broadway number. We're going to have all the dishes sing immediately. And they're going to kick can can at the very end. And somebody's going to pop out of the cake like that. It's just you feel that you don't even have to know the film. You can understand the grandioseness of that moment just through that music and the extraness. It's an extra song for an extra moment. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. So in this matchup, like what's the what's the more Mankin? And to me, I think in this specific matchup, I'm going to have to go with a whole new world. I think that it feels a lot like Mencken. It feels he leans on a lot of his tropes of the chimes, of the feeling like you're moving, of the use of strings and the swells. And I, I just think that it feels like that classy Mencken. Uh, not that he's not classy and be our guest, but it just feels like he is trying to transport you past the song. Why rather than entertain you with the song like you get and be our guest. So I'm going to go with the number two here. Um, so when I think about Mencken, I don't really know why this sort of 
has always popped into my head. But when I think about Mencken, I think about a strong piano. Yes. And in, and in going back and listening to a lot of these songs, there isn't a whole lot of piano in any of these songs. I picture and, and him. Especially not a strong piano. Well, yeah. And do you know, do you know a fun fact about that? Go ahead. It wasn't until I think Pocahontas or maybe it was Hercules that he actually had his first grand piano. Before that, he just had a synth keyboard. Huh. So we hear a lot of the keys, but they're all synthy and not uh, actual uh, grand piano. I thought huh. that was really fascinating. Yeah, because I do also picture him at a grand piano when I picture Alan Menken. Yeah. He's just like, hey, yeah, I got a little riff for you. Let me go ahead and do, 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 like. Yeah, I found some interview with of him where he was bragging about how, having his first piano and how he could finally record the tracks on a grand piano wow. instead of his keyboard. And I was like, it all makes sense. It all what makes a, sense. What a fraud. That is strange. <laughs> Um, but I, the, a whole new world, uh, though it might not have been a grand piano, um, <laughs> it does really have a, a, a prominent piano, yeah. uh, bottom, bottom, bottom line. I don't know if that's sure. what you call it, but Bucket. it's kind of running through the bottom of the song, um, in a way that the piano doesn't really do that in, in really any other song. Um, which, which makes sense, Kyle, like what you're saying about the song being kind of like flighty. Um, totally accurate, you know, um, it's constantly in a state of going up, you know, even, even when they're not singing about going up, just the whole thing is (laughs) a a whole new, we're only going this way. (laughs) It's only, yeah, it never comes back down. Uh, and so that really kind of adds to that feeling of like, inspiration and wonder that we think about when we think about this song and piano is a great choice for that because a piano has so much range and it is so easy to just go up in so many different places on the piano. Um, really great, uh, marriage of those two things. Uh, if I can, if I can make kind of an interesting comparison between a whole new world and another song, um, when, when, when I was breaking down this song and kind of noticing the, the flighty nature of, of the notes, uh, my, my very first thing I came back to was um, Married Life from Up. That kind of like is soaring and flying and coming back up. Uh, so really interesting comparison there for like a similar, I guess, sort of uh, sort of vibe. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. those two scenes. Uh, mentioned the um, flutes tumbling. I love that Jasmine verse. Yeah, dude, be our guest. Like, it, it's really interesting that you think that uh, a whole new world feels more Mencken. Um, I, I'm I'm getting be our guest feels more Mencken to me just because the the spectacle of the song feels much more the- theatrical to me. There is a lot of like choreography that's happening in my head just listening to the music. Like, you just know um, that there's a, an exciting uh, scene happening as well. Uh, I think maybe my favorite part of the song is uh, the big brass chorus by mm. chorus. Mm. One by yeah, one. Little, little kick. Yeah. Oh, man. That's just so good. Um, and, and, and then uh, it starts kind of peaking. You know, the song kind of climaxes and, and the armoire comes in with a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just so good. Um, yeah. It's and a that, definite... That- that one in the in the live action, they milk that part. Oh yeah. Oh, they milk it. They're like, 
One bye. And you're in your seat like, kick it, kick it. Like, <laughs> it's so good. This is this is a show-stopping number, like yeah. for sure. And yeah. while maybe I don't necessarily think of show-stopping numbers when I think about Mankin, he's certainly capable of it, and that is an important element of um of any any production that that has a lot of music uh, that serves story, serves character. So um, I'm gonna go with be our guest here. Uh, so we've got a tie. Uh, this is a, a big matchup, Mandy. So it's going wow. back over to you. Wow, 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 wow! I mean. Well, first off, I just want to say that I love like listening to both of these songs independently in the parks. Like they're both very tied to the parks for me. Like Be Our Guest always plays when you're kind of in the parking lot, walking at Disneyland, you hear it, gets you excited to enter in. Um, and then a whole new world, dude, riding the uh, canal boats at night and just being a <laughs> that doo, 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 is like Disney magic at its finest. Um, but actually what's going to help break the tie for me is some research on Mencken. Oh. And Kyle, what you were saying about his inspiration for like Be Our Guest was really interesting because he actually said, <laughs> there's a quote verbatim, that he basically had this melody as like a dummy. So it was like something to fill the place while they figured out what to do, like what they were going to do for the song, <laughs> actually. So he <laughs> is on the record saying like, oh, yeah, that dumb piece of music I wrote initially because it was just right. That's what we ended up going with. Wow. I gave and him too much credit. That fraud. He's a fraud. dude. I think that, that that's so funny that he was like, I, I can't think of anything better than this. And now it's like one of the most beloved Disney songs. <laughs> um, so I think because a whole new world is at least like a little bit more original, like you got some, and it has like classic making elements. Like you got the, um, it really builds the setting and the scene. You got the whoosh of the wind and you have all the, you know, builds that we're talking about. I think I, I have to go with a whole new world in this matchup. Dang. I know. Number two seed moves on. We've got Aladdin in the final four. Don't like it. Uh, <laughs> who will meet a whole new world? Is it the number three seed part of your world from the Ariel movie, the little mermaid, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or is it the number six seed colors of the wind from the Pocahontas movie? Um, I, uh, yeah, I had colors of the wind just kind of defaulting, uh, in the last round over friend like me. Um, it does do some, some pretty interesting things, but, but yeah, Kyle, you said like, po you don't really think of Pocahontas when you think of Mencken. It's interestingly kind of this like forgotten Mencken soundtrack. And like, I don't really go back to Pocahontas a whole lot. Um, but, but like, it just, it's good music. Like, I think this song definitely belongs on this bracket. Um, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with part of your world here, actually. Um, you know, we talk about the I want so song so much. I think this is this is probably the quintessential quintessential one. Um, it is it is a showstopper of an I want number. It kills kind of two birds with one stone. Um, so so I'm gonna I think go with the number three seed here. Uh, do, do we know are there any awards involved involved with uh, the Little Mermaid? Um, not part of your world. Part of your world. Uh, Jody Benson's actually really salty about it. She was mm -hmm. like, uh, this was before the I Want song was recognized as like a a best song because Little Mermaid won best song, but it was for Under the Sea. Ah. So this wasn't even like on the radar of uh, Oscar noms or anything, but it's two time platinum here in the States. So she can, she can have that. Um, 
yeah, I agree with you, Chris. Part of Your World is is definitely the better song here, uh, just both from like a Mencken standpoint, but also just like a notability. And that's important with these Mencken songs, I think. Like, did do they last the test of time? Uh, because he does write a lot of music that is timeless. He doesn't stick to the trends. He doesn't get the Spice Girls to be the muses. He, he goes... Uh, a tried and true way, which are proven singers or Broadway stars or folks that can just perform what he needs them to perform. And uh, that's the same way here with Jody Benson. He chose the the right, I mean, he chose, they all chose the right person for Ariel and he chose the right I want song. Uh, So Mandy, I'm sorry, but we're sending Pocahontas packing here. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? You know what? It's all good because I, uh, you know, love Pocahontas, but totally agree that in this matchup, it needs to be part of your world. Um, before we do send Pocahontas home, though, I just thought it was interesting that uh, another man can quote. He says that Colors of the Wind is one of the most important songs he's written um, because of the message, I guess, in the 90s. It helped uh, inspire us all to to think about, uh, think about the environment and uh, think about uh, diversity and think about, uh, you know, how we can all paint with the colors of the wind. Uh, so I just thought, <laughs> <laughs> that quote was really interesting, um, you know, but it's it's a beautiful song. It's nice to, you know, put on if you want to you know, kind of relax a bit. Sure. Um, he also had a great uh, story about how he helped out with the lyrics of Colors of the Wind, actually, because yes. before that ending bit was supposed to be um, for your life's an empty hole until you can get it through your skull. You can paint with all the colors of the wind. Can you imagine if that had come out? Like that is naked. So, <laughs> so he rhymed the hole with skull. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Schwartz did apparently. And I love Stephen Schwartz, but I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. Uh, and Stephen was like, yeah, I'm really happy you changed that. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gotten like all this recognition that it did. So uh, it would have been canceled. Interesting facts you find about uh, your favorite songs. So yeah. I um not to plug a pod on the pod, but I was listening to uh, Matt Parrish. He was on our DCA 1.0 show, yeah. uh, his show, and they did a a kind of retrospective of Pocahontas recently, and how it was like Disney trying their darndest to do right by like diversity and include Pocahontas and in Native American culture. And how they just absolutely obliterated it. <laughs> and even their their um, cultural advisors like don't admit that they were advising the film because it was so different from what they had told them to do. Oh. It is it is crazy. And then they would go out and like if you think if you just Google some of the like Pocahontas uh, brand licensing deals that they did, especially with like fast food places. Boy oh boy, there was like a a. There was some sort of pun around like the chief and Happy Meal, and it was like the it was it's bad, it's bad. Go ahead. And, and well, even it. in this song, the it's supposed to be Green Moon, like Green Moon is a thing, but they changed it to Blue Corn Moon, right? Because, because they wanted to confuse little Chris about what blue yeah, corn. Yeah, they is wanted and... to confuse little Chris. They also were like, oh, it gives like Southwest vibes. It gives like blue corn tortilla chip vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, not good. Not good. I'm 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 over talking about blue corn on this podcast. <laughs> I know it doesn't exist. 
It only exists in chip form, and that's that's and all I'm going to say about that. And moon form. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, let's talk about this first final four matchup. It's uh, number one, Beauty and the Beast, and number 13, Bell. And I haven't really talked a ton about Bell because it's just we've just kind of shipped along here. Um, but what I really like about Bell is that if you listen to everything that's happening while the dialogue is happening and while the the exchanges in town are happening, there's so much like whimsy to it and like busyness where the the strings are being plucked. Blunk, 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 blunk. It's just it's so smartly done and then once we get to the like sophisticated smart bell you get the sweeping strings mm-hmm. anytime that her parts come up whether it's her thinking about what she wants or it's her speaking like you get this note of elegance and and serenity in this chaos of town and then you get her sound of music moment where she is really singing f- towards the hills letting it rip and the 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 orchestra and the composition is not overshadowing her, but they are almost like propelling her up to reach those hilltops. It is just these, the string movement that feels like it's coming from the outside and picking Belle up. It is so good. And, and in this battle of Beauty and the Beast versus Belle, it's kind of the battle of what do the strings do for Belle? Mm. feels so much like that. And for me, when you're, when, when we're talking about strings, when we're talking about Bell, and we're talking about Mankin, the the holy trinity of Mankin, we even get some chimes in Bell, people. <laughs> we get some twinkle in Bell. I'm going the 13 seed here over oh. Beauty and the Beast. I'm going the major upset. It is perfect parts Beauty and the Beast, perfect parts let me catch you up to where you're supposed to be at the beginning of the film. That is Mankin. That is Mankin. I'm going number 13. So one element that we haven't really talked about in Beauty and the Beast that I do really like is that the... Okay, well, we talked. We did talk about the intro a little bit um, and how there's this 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 uh, woodwind instrument woodwind of some kind. Followed that, up by um, a string. Well, mm. Some kind of string. And so um, the the it's a dance, right? And, yeah. and these are two very timid people who are about to dance. Um, and, and I guess the relationship with these two instruments, I really like how it feels kind of like a one instrument responding to another. Mm. And yeah, so it really feels kind of like two, two characters trying to figure out, figure each other out. Like, yeah, I'm down are they down? I don't know. And like, that's kind of what this flute and what this string are kind of doing to each other in the music as well. Um, other element that I really like is that there's, there's this kind of like musical response to a lot of the Mrs. Potts lines. Um, you know, and then there'll be like a, yeah, say the least. And so it feels like the, everything that happens in this song, it's it's there's like balance to it. Like everything has a, an equal and an opposite. Uh, and I, I guess I, I appreciate that because it is it is a, a dance number, and uh, I think the music aids it in that way really well. Yeah, but Kyle, I have a shot. 
to take down Beauty and the Beast <laughs> here uh, and move Bell to the open. finals. And I'm going to take Door is open for you. Uh, even though I can't acknowledge that a lot of the elements of Beauty and the Beast are very sophisticated, uh, yeah. very world-class, um, you know, some of Mencken's finest work. But I think when we're talking about, you know, best Mencken, I think about quintessential Mencken and, and all of the character stuff that's happening inside Bell makes me want to send it all the way to the finals, baby. So we've got a, a shocking upset, Mandy. Uh, would, do you think you would have done the same thing or do you think you would have ridden the number one seed to the finals? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's so hard, right? Because one, on the one hand, Beauty and the Beast is such a short song, right? And it was meant as a lullaby. Yeah. So it kind of, it this it sounds deceptively simple until you listen to it over and over again and like really try to pick out the different parts. It sounds pretty simple, but that, you know, again, the Mankin motif, it gets in your ear, that little do, 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 do. Once it starts, you can't, can't stop. Um, but yeah, I think that Bell, there's a lot of like, each time you listen to it again, there's something new, right? And even if you kind of strip away the vocals, like I have experience with since I helped my mom direct a children's production of Beauty and the Beast. Let me tell you, Bell, another awful freaking song for kids, cannot get the, <laughs> I cannot understand where to come in. It's a nightmare of a number to help direct. But, um, you know, there's a lot going on with it musically that I think really helps set the scene. Um, and that's making it its finest. So yeah, I'm, I'm down with Rock and Bell to the finals. Oh, baby. All right. Bell moves on to the finals. Who will this song face? It's the number two seed, a whole new world versus number three part of your world. Um, two songs that I get the titles confused all the time because <laughs> they both have the word world in them. Yeah. So I guess that's something that's we can a, use that's to compare. Manky. You know, Mencken uses world in his titles a lot. So there sure. you go. Uh, no, I think, I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with the whole new world on this one. I think there is just a little bit more happening musically underneath the lyrics here. Um, and, and again, like this is a song that like, I think is a little bit overrated, but I think, you know, the way the matchups have gone here, I, I think I'm a fan of it. I think, I think I'm, I think I am going to move it on to the finals. Uh, I'm not. Oh. I'm going to go part of your world. <laughs> I, I think Twerf. that part of, part of your world is just that right mix of I want without leaning into too much. Part of your world, I think, I mean, it's Jesus, here we go. A whole new world, I think, does a great job of making you feel like you're flying. You're, you're flying into this new relationship, this new world of yours. And it's really exciting and flowy, but uh, the the way in which he can storytell with music and part of your world by building you up, grounding you back down, making you feel like you truly are underwater with all these musical elements. And the way that like the strings are these long uh, held notes underneath Ariel kind of trying to figure everything out. Uh, really lets her do the work and really supports it. It's that same thing with Belle. Like the the music picks Ariel up and makes her uh, the hero of the piece, as opposed to the, all of the work that <laughs> that the music has to do on the backs of of Aladdin and and Jasmine in a whole new world. I think like the music is 
is so important to support those lyrics and it does so well in part of, in part of your world with Ariel. It's really difficult to talk about these two uh, because of their similar <laughs> structures. Uh, but there's, I just love the silence. I love that he brings it down. I love that he like makes you just kind of sit in the moment for a little bit. Uh, I love the big, big ending. Uh, and then I love how the big ending comes back down into her really just, she's got to think about it. And then let her hit that note, let her hold it, let the bubbles rise. Do, 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 It's phenomenal. Number three is moving on for me, which means, Mandy, you're breaking that two, three seed tie for the finals. Woo! Wow. Okay. So, like, both of these songs, I, I think all-time greats. So I kind of I kind of understand the the fatigue with a whole new world. Um, but I think what's going to make me move on part of your world is just the the amount of of work that went into that song and the amount of times they had to fight for it and how much of an impact it made in the movie um i you know there was uh howard ashman and uh Mencken, they had for a bit of context had this musical before called uh, little shop of horrors <laughs> Heard of yeah. on Broadway, uh, and they had this song in there called "Somewhere That's Green" that the protagonist sings. It's her "I Want" song, and they kind of use it as a basis for this. They actually called "Part of Your World." Uh, the nickname was "Somewhere That's Dry" because <laughs> they used "Somewhere That's Green" as a kind of starting point for it. Um, and then they like, you know, hired um, Jody Benson. Yeah, Jody yep. Benson. Yeah. They hired Jody Benson and she wanted to sing it like a classic Broadway actress. And they were like, no, we want you to sound as real as possible. Like we're going to do multiple takes. We're going to keep the errors in there that you hear her um, kind of, you know, chuckle. It's kind of breathy. The notes aren't like sustained. And she wanted to like sing it perfectly. And we're like, no, no, no. Like we want it to be real. You're supposed uh, to be a real mermaid, Jody. Yeah. Do you think real mermaids? Real, relatable mermaid. Be real. You're not supposed to be princess and i think that's why it's such a good song that like inspired generations of like little babies little girls that were like wow like she's not perfect and she's a princess like you know i don't know so i i I could go on and on but i think we're gonna save that for the final matchup and and get into it so (laughs) there it is number three part of your world is gonna face off versus number 13 bell and this, the, first of all, a three thirteen matchup here in the finals is pretty pretty crazy, uh, but I think they're both deserving of this final spot. Uh, it's tough because you, it feels like we have the two Mencken songs. <laughs> you have the the beginning intro song, the storytelling building, the allowance of dialogue in the middle of it. It's this let's move the plot along and catch you up as we do at all at the same time. And then you have his kind of like quintessential, let's stop, let's figure out what our protagonist wants. Let's hear them sing it out. Let's support it with this very often sweeping orchestral uh, arrangement. And and here we are, we've got the two. Uh, so Belle, uh, interesting so- uh, part about Belle, and Chris, you had brought this up a little bit, uh, is the insertion of Gaston into it and and really introducing the role that he is going to continue to play Uh, i think they do it really successfully in making him look like uh, the biggest disgusting kind of like jerk face in the live action one 
Uh, and, but in this one, it's more so just, it feels like he's just the overconfident uh, hunk of town, of the town that he's going after Bell and, and Bell has no interest in him. Uh, he, his parts are, are great. Uh, his, the introduction of him and LeFou and their relationship is great in the song as well. And I like that this, unlike what you get in Go the Distance where the dialogue comes in and the song kind of has to just kind of like carry like it, it, you can kind of hear and go the distance. It kind of just it. We need to we need to keep going. We just need to keep going. In Bell, it feels very natural. Like the the song kind of just continues. Just they lower the volume a little bit, so you're not really disrupted from the song as much as you are in maybe some of of a uh, go the distance. And it plays into just how many moving pieces there are in this town. And Gaston is just one of them. Just now we're going to have to deal with him for a lot of the film uh i love every bell part i love that it's everything is separated by these characters uh you get a little bit more of the kind of like marching aspect of the song a little bit more percussion when people are actually like moving you get some more of the plucking when it's stationary interactions like the the dude that is hitting on the girl uh showing up at the stand and she asks how his wife is uh that has a little bit more pluck as opposed to this percussion movement. Uh, it's just really smart. And then, of course, you you get a little bit of I want mashed up in there with Belle and her singing what her aspirations are. So it's almost like he said, OK, um, Disney execs last time we did an I want song almost cut it. So what if we put the I want song at the very beginning <laughs> where we're establishing story and then they can't cut that thing? And it worked. It worked. Uh, I I think I'd be interested in hearing what a full solo Bell I Want song would be and, and look like. But for this animated movie, it worked perfectly. It was a perfect introduction to her. And we, we got to just get right to it. Right to it. We get it. We know where we are. We know what Bell wants. All right, let's, let's hit the ground running. Part of Your World... Uh, this is a song that I don't necessarily have on any playlist. It doesn't come up very often, but it's a song that when it does, I'm very happy it does. Uh, I'm always happy to hear it. I'm always happy to listen to it, mostly because I forget how sophisticated it actually comes off as. It's it's that up and down. It's the the battle of Ariel's inner battle musically of whether or not she can she can actually get up there if she she can leave her life behind if she can leave the greatness that is under the sea to find what she wants which is to to explore this new land um and and find this man and so you you feel that with her through the music and i like that i like his scene setting we talked a lot about how you do feel like you're underwater a lot of swells a lot of bubbles a lot of chimes a lot of mangan tinkles it's tough. This is a good matchup. I think that I'm going to just go with my with my bias here. I'm going to go with the number three seed, Chris. I'm going to say Part of Your World is the best Mencken song. Uh, I think that it is a perfect example of a Mencken I want song. I think it's a great example of how he can help tell story through his music and support the story that's at hand. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily head and shoulders above Bell. But I think in this matchup, it is just slightly better uh, musically than what Bell has to offer. So number three for me, I'm going to crown it. Yeah, I think I've I've really been relying on the um, 
I guess, musical theater element to yeah. get me through a lot of these matchups. And, and we've kind of reached a point where like that, that argument no longer works. Like both of these songs have these uh, musical theater elements in them in their own way. You know, that there are many different types of musical theater songs and these are two essential, essential types of musical theater songs. Um, I did mention that I, I find Beauty and the Beast to be Mencken's best work. Um, so I think I, I give the advantage to Bell there just because I think I prefer the sound of the song and the entire soundtrack and just the instrument selection in that movie in general and in this song. Um, I understand what you're saying about the bubbles and the twinkles. Like, that's all great. Um, like, it is a really good song. I think so much of my enjoyment of part of your world comes from uh, the Howard Ashman lyrics. Sure. Um, and obviously there are so many words in the song Bell <laughs> as so well. Many words. You know, so many words. So many words. Um, but I think Mencken's music is so important to the structural integrity of that song and it keeps the song moving that his music is just as important as those lyrics, I think. Um, question for you both. Have either of you seen Todrick Hall's rendition of Bell called Beauty and the Beat? No. I feel like I've seen maybe like a clip from it, but what I'm more acquainted with are the musical theater compilations where it's like some guy saying, Marie, the baguettes, hurry up. And you just watch all these junior high kids sure. saying that same line. So I have not, I, uh, I need to myself. I have not watched beauty and the beat in probably 10 years. So I cannot speak to how well it has aged, but, um, it is a Todrick Hall joint. Um, so I would, I would check it out, uh, when you're done, oh. when we're done recording and when, um, listeners maybe are done listening again, I cannot speak to how well it's aged. I don't really remember it. It's been a while, but, uh, it popped into my head when we were talking about this song, but have you listened to beauty and a beat? By Justin Bieber, well, of featuring course, Nikki that's just Minaj. that's just a classic. And okay. have you listened to uh, "Under the Booty," which is the <laughs> "Under the Sea" and "Miss New Booty"? Because uh, that is also a great match. I'm gonna need that one. I'm yeah, gonna that <laughs> I'm gonna one. need that one on my phone immediately. Bubble park, bubble sparks, do 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 do. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere, and it is. That's all I listened to in in high school. That's all I listened to. I mean, I'm only really familiar with Carly Rae Jepsen and the Sky Sweetenham versions of Part of the World, which, right. hey, they might they go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Yeah. Yeah, I go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jody, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm going with Belle. Okay. I think I, think I like, the, I like the, the, the complete package that Belle gives me, that Beauty and the Beast gives me, um, that the music in this song gives me. Which means we've got the final matchup ending in a tiebreaker. This one is going to you, Mandy. Will oh it be the number gosh. 13 seed Bell or the number three seed part of your world? This is so tough because I love both these songs. Uh, both of these shows my mom has directed and I've helped her assistant direct. So I also mm. have like fond mm. memories of watching like kids grow and achieve things with these songs. So it has an emotional play for me as well. Um... Hmm, I think that if I had to like, because it's a Mencken, a Mencken, you know, Mencken bracket and not an Ashman bracket. I think if I stripped out the lyrics to both of these songs and just listened 
the orchestration of one over the other. I think unfortunately I'm going to have to crown three part of your world because that motif is just Mencken's on the record saying that that motif, that little do 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 is one of his, is his favorite he's ever written. And I think there's just something about that song that just like transports you under the sea. Funny to say it. Um, it's just such a beautiful song. Um, I'm so proud that like they both fought for it to be in the movie. Like that's, it just seems like that's what made the movie so successful was like that song like you know when you think about the little mermaid even in the trailer that just came out for the live action that's what everyone's talking about it's like oh my gosh it's gonna be so good like you've heard this little like teaser we're like super excited to like listen to the full thing um so you know i love bell absolutely love bell every time i listen to it i just hear a new part i heard like that bread it's stale like today I love the townspeople's little interjections. I love that there's like a theme for Belle that follows her throughout the song and that, you know, the townspeople have this like pompy, like kind of ba-bam, ba-bam to bring you like into that village world. But I think listening to it on repeat, trying to train kids how to sing Belle <laughs> was a nightmare and uh, would never, you know, I think it did kind of taint listening to that song for me. So unfortunately... I think uh, I have to I have to go with Party World, Chris. But love to much love to both of these songs. It's a tough matchup for sure. It was it was a good finals. It was a good finals, and and what came up? What bubbled to the top was the number three part of your world from Little Mermaid as the best Alan Menken song. And as we do at the end of every bracket, we are going to clap it out. Hey, we didn't eat. We I'm just happy Bell made it as far as it did, but I, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't even talk about. We didn't even revisit the idea that Gaston ate all the eggs. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, and you want to talk about you want to talk about the music in- instrumentation under the townspeople's lines. The I need six eggs. The music's like. <laughs> <laughs> It's really weird. I don't know. Yeah, um, super weird. That was a that was a great bracket. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, that was. I love when we don't always pick the same things because we bring to light many different options for these songs, many different options for these picks, and I learned a ton about uh, the instrumentation. Picked out things that I didn't even hear just based on your arguments, um, and I think that having Bell verse. Little uh, Little Mermaid here versus Ariel in the finals feels very Mencken to begin with. You have his yeah. the breakout versus the the accomplishment. I think it's yeah. great. And 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 by the way, um, while you're out there watching Beauty and the Beat, um, afterwards, <laughs> why don't you go in and type in Elizabeth Bowersock's part of your world? Oh, um, <gasps> oh, the yes! plug! Oh, the plug! We because, have to now, hey, because you want to see some little kids doing little Little Mermaid. Elizabeth's got uh, eleven thousand views on her rendition of Part of Your World oh, as like a wow. nine-year-old. I'm about to make that the intro to this entire episode. Is that, that <laughs> clip? Oh man, um, <sighs> she's wearing Heelys. Mandy, did your mom's production do Heelys for for water? Like, underwater? oh, yeah. I think. I think that they did do skates for ah. the Daughters of Triton. I can't remember what Ariel had, um, mm. but yes, that's classic, classic junior high production, Little Mermaid. Gotta, gotta have the Heelys. Have to. Well, uh, Mandy, thanks so much for hopping on another pod with us and talking Mencken and talking theater and all that jazz. Um, appreciate all of your insights and, and helping us pick a winner. 
No, I always, always appreciate uh, being on the pod. I learn something new every time I listen and uh, was grateful to be on this. I'm sorry, Chris, that I shot a lot of your uh, picks <laughs> down. But, uh... <laughs> All right, everyone, that does it for another bracket, another episode of Mouse Madness Done. Uh, you know how to reach us. If you have something to say about our Mencken picks, uh, do you want to hop in and do some Mouse Madness co-hosting, some Mouse Madness tiebreaking? Do, do you feel like you are empowered to pick a winner? We would love to have you. Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness where you can become a member of Jerry's gang by joining us at the $5 level where you'll have access to things like wow, Mouse Madness video episodes. Obviously. Things like two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month where you will hear things like me and Kyle breaking down our first ever Disney convention. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot and all wait. of the things that we saw and experienced at MouseCon in Concord, California. <laughs> Uh, you will get access to a right to vote on bracket topics. Uh, and you will get an invite to our seasonal Jerry's Gang Disney Trivia Night, uh, which is actually coming up. Um, coming up. Sunday night, November 20th. Uh, yep. We're going to get down. Hard to hear first. Hey, hey, we have not chosen a prize yet, but the last one was sick. It was a lunchbox filled with Disney pins. Uh, so if you want to hop in and do, do some trivia with us, it's super fun. We had like 11 people last time. We yeah, all on awesome. Zoom. Uh, you can turn the camera off if you want to. It's okay. My dad's there. It's like <laughs> there's just all kinds of stuff going on. So uh, so check us out on patreon.com slash mousemadness. Would love to have you. Uh, folks, uh, thanks so much for listening. Off to the cupboard with you now, Chip. It's past your bedtime. <laughs> <laughs>